here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I'm not sure... Exactly what to make of this. This is in the Washington Compost. D.C. radio station building evacuated after report a suspicious package by Justin William Moyer. A building that houses a Washington radio station, that would be our affiliate WMAL in Washington, D.C., was evacuated after a report of a suspicious package, authorities said. The offices of WMAL-FM uh, in the 4400 block of Jennifer Street Northwest were evacuated, police said. Police said several nearby streets were closed as well. WMAL is a news and talk station known for its conservative syndicated programming, such as Rush Limbaugh's show. Of course, it has our show as well. In addition to its FM service, it also broadcasts on 6.30 a.m. No further information was immediately available about the suspicious package at the station and whether it was connected to this week's discovery of explosives sent to prominent, mostly political figures across the country. So we don't know. I don't know. Oh, is this serious? From my... I'm reading this as I got it. I wrote my buddy Larry O'Connor, who fills in for me now and then and handles the local show on WMEL. It says here, and he was broadcasting at the time, and they had to go to uh, Best Of as they evacuated the building. He said, we had a suspicious package delivered to us. Your name was on the label, by the way. I guess mine. Uh, Police recall. They ordered an immediate evacuation. Ends up a false alarm. Okay, false alarm. I don't know what all this means. Except my name was on the package. Mr. Producer, you thought my name was on the package too. How did you know that? You get what now? You get worried about the mail there. Well, we do get our threats, don't we? And uh, I wanted to talk about that briefly. Not about me, uh, but kind of what takes place uh, in terms of uh, the country and these various threats that have taken place and so forth. And uh, and I wanted to point this out. We have these packages, and we'll get more into them in a moment. We have these packages going on, now 10 of them, to various Democrats. And law enforcement, politicians, the media, the American people have every right to be concerned and outraged. Every right It's rational, right, to be concerned about this. This is a bad thing, and it is a bad thing. But I went back and looked in the recent few months, and ABC News reported just a few weeks ago, suspicious letter sent to Republican Senator Susan Collins' home. Author said it contained ricin. Another one, envelope sent to Mattis, the Secretary of Defense, and the Chief of, uh, of the Navy. They tested positive for ricin. Eric Trump, 
saying the entire family has received white powder in the mail. That was in August. And there's others. Marco Rubio. Can't remember them all. It's just hard to 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 ignore the fact that all these examples I gave you before it wasn't that they were downplayed it was that they weren't really covered in any thorough way were they? All these packages going to the Trump family, all these packages going to the Pentagon, Madison so forth, uh, to Rubio, uh, other members here and there now, I'm not trying to make anything of this. I'm just saying the coverage was different. The coverage of what happened to Susan Collins was different. Wasn't it, Mr. Producer? There was no panic mode. They didn't blame Donald Trump for it, incidentally, because how could they? Because the Trump family was receiving some of these things. The president. It was sent to the president, and he gets death threats all the time. So there's something odd about how the reporting takes place on so much of this. Now, that said, I told you yesterday that I could see, and together we could see, how the media were moving to attacking Trump for what's taking place. And now it's fully open. It's fully open that Trump's words and Trump's rallies and Trump's tweets are encouraging this sort of thing. And I took a stand yesterday, at least for the first hour of the program, and I explained, well, actually, the media say many more hatred, vile, disgusting things than the president does than any politician does. National Pubic Radio, NPR, uh, contacted Westwood One and asked them if I would uh, submit to a 20-minute interview. I said, why would I submit to a 20-minute interview? I just spent an hour talking about it. You can download it so you can do your little cherry-picking and your setup job. And I don't even know why there is a National Pubic Radio. It's unnecessary. We have thousands of radio stations, scores of radio companies. Why do we need a government-run radio company? where the hosts are overpaid and they have no ratings. They don't live by ratings or die by ratings like anybody else. There's no competition for them. It's government radio. What do you have government radio in a free society for? But anyway. So we have these ricin attacks against Republican senators. Susan Collins, right after she voted for Kavanaugh. Other threats. Positive for Ryson, sent to Mattis and the, uh, the, the chief of the Navy. Sent to the president of the United States. White powder sent to members of the president's family. I really do not remember CNN getting all worked up about white powder being sent to the president's family. Does anybody else? Now, why does all this matter? It matters... Because the media are out there trying to determine who politically should benefit 
and who politically should be punished. It's the damnest thing. It's the most grotesque thing. And of course, it's Trump. Trump's to blame. Well, Trump's not to blame for any of it. He didn't do anything. Now, I want to uh, play a montage for you on this pathetic program on MSLSD, the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo. You're going to hear Mika, but you're also going to hear a never-Trumper, who probably denies he's a never-Trumper, John Podhoritz. You're going to hear him a couple of times. You'll also hear Steve Ratner, Susan Del Percio, whoever the hell that is, John Heilman. Heilman! Heilman! Anyway, uh, and I want you to listen to this because it is, it is really appalling what takes place on this so-called network. Cut five, go. But I do know in my heart that President Trump bears a lot of responsibility for rhetoric that made it almost inevitable that top Democrats in the media would be targeted. This was an unusual set of circumstances. Go ahead. That's one of the reasons that it is fair to blame, in some sense, the president's rhetoric. Let's not oh, stop. Okay. So it's fair in some sense. What sense, Podhoritz? The president's rhetoric. J-Pod. More like J-Moron. In some sense, it's okay. You know, let me ask you, J-Pod, have you guys over a commentary written much about the repeated references to the president and Hitler? I would think that would offend you. Does that offend you? On cable news channels? Let's go to Steve Ratner. Go ahead. I think caused this. I think when you have rhetoric of the kind of rhetoric we've had from this guy over and over again. This is the president who's called the media the enemy of the people. And right now. So the president calls the media the enemy of the people. And there are 10 bombs. I don't know if they're fake bombs, real bombs, whatever they are. But they are obviously uh, terrorism threats as far as I'm concerned. And that, you see, is what triggers everything. I remember when Gabby Giffords was shot. And the federal judge was murdered. I remember that that assassination attempt on her. And it turns out the guy was a psycho. And I remember how they tried to blame Sarah Palin. Quite frankly, they tried to blame me and a few others. Nothing to do with any of this. We have these mass horrific killings of kids in elementary schools. And there's the media. And then you, oh, you call us the enemy of the people? Of course we're not the enemy of the people. Well, what the hell are you, really? I, what are you? What are you doing tonight? What did you do this morning? What did you do yesterday? It's appalling. Go ahead. For whatever reason, the media is a part of this and is being treated as an enemy. If he's going to act like this is just a TV show, then he will be complicit in what follows. Oh, so he is complicit in what follows. What a disgraceful fool. Really, to get FaceTime on MSNBC, they'll do anything. What a disgrace. What a disgraceful group of clowns. Here we have this going on in the country, and it's Trump and Trump. They're obsessed. They're obsessed. Mika and Joe and Podhoritz and Ratner and Heilerman. They're just obsessed with Trump. Incredible. Go ahead. 
They look for leadership and they find hate. Given the, oh. the fact that the president has seemed for two years not interested in trying to detoxify the environment, but rather uh, pour gasoline mm-hmm. on the fire at every opportunity. It's no longer okay to say nothing, to not answer questions, to not speak out. Now, shut up, you idiot. The hell do you think you? It's no longer okay to say nothing, to answer questions, to not speak up. So Trump is guilty, ladies and gentlemen. He's an accomplice. He's aiding and abetting some domestic terrorist. Not incredible. MSNBC now MSNBC, which has a high tolerance for vile, outrageous, poisonous language, where the president's called a racist, where he's compared to Hitler, where he's compared to Stalin. NBC, MSNBC, they just gave the boot to Megyn Kelly. And they claim it's because of her reference to blackface. She didn't make a racial attack on anybody. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying she didn't. It's not like she's Joy Reid, you know, smash-mouthing gays, smash-mouthing other people, and so forth, who, by the way, keeps her job over there at MSNBC. It's not like she made the most vile anti-Semitic comments, like Al Sharpton, one of their weekend hosts. No, 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 no. And she apologized. She all but cried. She was tearing over and apologized, right? But they're pushing her out the door. They're pushing her out the door because they don't want her anymore. And they're using this to push her out the door. This is NBC, which had a high tolerance level for Matt Lauer. Now, I'm not a special pleader for anybody. I'm just making the point. What a, what a disgusting joke this corporation is. NBC, MSNBC, Comcast, the whole damn bunch of them. But to have these people sit there. Right in the middle, when the FBI and the the counterterrorism task force and the others are trying to figure out who did what and so forth, it's Trump, 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 Trump. No mention whatsoever that Trump's family has received threats. No mention whatsoever that Republican senators have received threats. No mention whatsoever that Steve Scalise was shot down in the middle of a baseball field. And there are other examples. None whatsoever. They had a high tolerance level for the violence of Antifa. High tolerance level for the violence of Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah. And by the way, in the 60s and 70s, they had a high tolerance level for the SDS and the Weather Underground. That's right, I said it. But now, I have to ask you, the American people, isn't this why you despise the media? He calls us the enemy of the people, but the people think you're the enemy. Not because the president says it, but because of what you say, Mika and Podhoritz and Ratner and Del Percio and Heilman. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'm now told that the package you went to WMEL was actually from a listener, a good listener. And it had many names on it. Mark, Chris, Larry, Mary. The only one who wasn't on there was our buddy Vince. So, of course, we became suspicious about Vince. I'm just kidding. And apparently had uh, the contents uh, 
piece of the Berlin Wall or something. So it was a false alarm. John King. He's supposed to be a news guy, right? Journalist, so forth. I believe he used to work for AP or something. He's over at CNN, which, of course, uh, ruins his career. Uh, he was on CNN today, and he said this. Hat tip, newsbusters, cut for go. No one's blaming the president. Is anyone blaming the president? Um, but the president now wants to make this about him. Um, amen to the president for what he first said yesterday. Oh, president wants to make it about him. Cut five again. MSNBC, go. But I do know in my heart that President Trump bears a lot of responsibility for rhetoric that made it almost How about that one, John? That's Mika. Go ahead. Top Democrats in the media would be targeted. This is an unusual set of circumstances, and that's one of the reasons that it is fair to blame, in some sense, the president's rhetoric. That's Pod Horitz, uh, John King. What do you think of that? Go. Forget who I think caused this. I think when you have rhetoric of the kind of rhetoric we've had from this guy over and over again. That's Steve Ratner, John King. Maybe you missed that. Go. The president who's called the media the enemy of the people. And right now, for whatever reason, the media is a part of That's this. That's Mika again. Go ahead. Being treated as an enemy. If he's going to act like this is just a TV show. Hot Horace. Then he and then we got Heilerman. And there are others, ladies and gentlemen, including on John King's own CNN. He must not watch CNN like the rest of the country. He wants to know who's blaming the president. You are a hole. That's who. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? how much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. Every time you go online, your internet provider and advertising companies can track what you do and sell your personal information. Plus, the NSA gobbles up virtually everything, so how can you actually protect yourself and maintain your privacy? There's a way, you know. Computer experts recommend using a VPN. Now, the software I use called ExpressVPN makes it super easy for anyone to stay private online and to protect your information. They're rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. These days, I don't use the Internet without ExpressVPN. Now, ExpressVPN's apps take just minutes to set up and afterwards run seamlessly in the background of my computer and smartphone. You install the program, then turn on ExpressVPN protection with a single click. It couldn't be easier. ExpressVPN secures and keeps anonymous your Internet through data encryption and hiding your IP address. 
That means nobody, nobody can record or access your online activity. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers, from spy agencies, and your ISP, visit expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash mark for their special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data anymore. I'm giving you the solution right here. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark, expressvpn.com slash mark. Nobody's blaming Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you just heard a whole bunch of people on MSNBC blaming Trump for what's taking place with these packages. And here was CNN just yesterday. It's gotten worse today, but here they are yesterday. Go. Do I believe the heated rhetoric? The this is Cuomo, of course, uh, but uh, go ahead. Is part of this? Yes. The president and his allies, they need to dial down the, the political rhetoric. They are making people less safe. They are making journalists less safe. Is the rhetoric, the intense rhetoric that he has been saying and his supporters have been giving out over these last several weeks leading into mid, the midterm elections, and certainly even before that, is that contributing to any of this? Beating up on the media and also just sort of this violent rhetoric of calling Democrats a mob, of saying that they support MS-13 and criminals, um, of basically calling them radical and dangerous is such a staple of the way that he talks about um, his opponents. And, you know, I now think let's stop you... a minute. Did they do any of this when all that ricin or would-be powder was being sent to Republicans, to the Trump family, to Trump, to Mattis, to Collins, to Rubio, or when Scalise was shot in the middle of a baseball field? Did you hear any of this? Any of these recriminations about the Democrats and Bernie Sanders and the left and and how they're just too aggressive? Any recriminations about Black Lives Matter or or Antifa or even going back to the Obama Holder administration where they were trashing the cops and what took place in Baltimore and other cities and so forth? Any of it ever? So why are they doing this now? It's for the reason I said The media are not the appendage of the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is the appendage of the media. Go ahead. Whether it's about Maxine Waters or praising Gene Forte or calling the uh, media the enemy of the people and CNN fake news constantly. Uh, People listen to that. Well, CNN is fake news. You're doing it right now. Look, he calls you fake news. I would say you're full of crap news, quite frankly. I think the president really lets you off the hook. He calls you fake news. It's a passive term. It's a relatively nice term. You know, you're fake, you're fake, you're fake. fake. He doesn't call you a lying pack of rats. He could do that. But he hasn't done that. And the irony is, even while you're attacking him, you're proving his point, aren't you? The bubble people. They live in their own bubble. Go ahead. The, the heated rhetoric, um, the pushback, the, the, the president. Why? Talking- has, any, has Trump called anybody in the media Hitler? Many in the media have called him Hitler, compared him to Hitler. Many in the media have compared his supporters to Nazis, to racists, to Klansmen, to neo-Nazis. I was watching this debate again last night between DeSantis and this guy Gillum. And Gillum's talking about how neo-Nazis are supporters of Ron DeSantis. How neo-Nazis are supporting Ron DeSantis. Now, neo-Nazis are doing robocalls, but they're not supporters of Ron uh, DeSantis. They are hate mongers. 
Ron DeSantis, probably the leading member of Congress, supporting Israel, supporting, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, supporting, holding hearings on moving the American embassy to Jerusalem. His Democrat opponent claims that he's supported by neo-Nazis. His Democrat opponent, who supports the boycott effort and the, the divestment effort against the state of Israel, he's part of this radical left element, the Bernie Sanders radical left element. He claims that DeSantis is supported by neo-Nazis, and the media have no problem with it, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. They push the, the racism narrative everywhere. And Gillum was doing that too. Gillum has been under investigation by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI. An undercover agent sold him Hamilton tickets. An undercover agent, or gave him Hamilton tickets. An undercover agent. Gave him a hotel room. Also, sleazy activity with respect to trip he took to Costa Rica and so forth. He's got corruption all over his administration. And his default position is, you're only saying this because I'm African-American. What? The media perfectly fine with that. How many times have they called Trump a racist? How many times have they compared him to Hitler? How many times have they called his supporters racists? Klansmen? And they say, you need to tone down the rhetoric. These are supposed to be reporters. These are news outlets. They're the ones leading the charge. And when you point it out, oh, look, at you're pointing this out. You're making this dangerous, uh, dangerous. Keep calling us the enemy of the people. Well, many people think you're the enemy. By the way you conduct yourselves. By the way you conduct yourselves. And look, we're not inferring anything. We can hear you. We can see you. You're filled with venom. It's dripping. It was dripping in the lead-up to the 26th election. You've been promoting the nonsense about the Russia collusion. You grab onto Stormy Daniels. Notice this Avenatti, this lawyer, where judges ordered him to pay almost $5 million. This lawyer, who's now part of a criminal referral by the Senate Judiciary Committee. He was on CNN all the time, all the time, spewing his idiocy and his hate. Why would they put a fool like that, a slip-and-fall lawyer like that, on CNN day in, day out, day in, day out? Put a porn star on TV day in and day out. It's a news outlet. Michael Wolf. Essentially a fiction writer. He's on there day in, day out. A woman who's some kind of a professor at one of these schools insisting that Donald Trump is mentally ill and that Congress ought to, and that the cabinet and Congress ought to trigger the 25th Amendment. This isn't news. It's not news at all. It's grotesque. This wasn't what was meant by freedom of the press. The press pretend to be professionals. Based on what? Based on what? How is Don Lemon a professional? He's a mockery. How do they choose their guests? Their contributors? Their members of Congress? 
They go for the lowest hanging fruit. The people who they know will make the most outrageous comments. So even if they won't make them, they know their guest will. But they are making them. They are making them. You got a guy like Chuck Todd who replaced Tim Russert. Say what you will about Tim Russert. That guy was a real journalist. Look at this Chuck, uh, uh, Chuck Todd. It's a joke. You got George Stephanopoulos who used to head the, uh, the war room for the Clinton administration. He does their Sunday show. You've got, you've got the top national security reporter for CNN who used to work for Obama. And you go right down the list. Chris Cuomo of the Cuomo family. He's a hack. These corporations and these executives in these corporations make the decision to hire these people. Make the decision to give them precious airtime. Make the decision to allow them to say what they say. And in fact, in the case of Jeff Zucker at CNN, he encourages it. And then when people notice it, particularly the victims of these attacks, and particularly the people who voted for the president or voted for a certain Republican, and they use their free speech rights under, uh, uh, to respond, now you're threatening the media. Nobody's threatening the media. Jeff Bezos is worth $100 billion. He owns the Washington Post. Who can threaten the Washington Post? You got some guy in Mexico that used to own, maybe still does 17% of the New York Times. He's worth $50 billion. Who is threatening these, these news entities? Comcast, as I recall, owns NBC and MSNBC. Nobody's going to touch them. Time Warner owns CNN. These are major, massive international corporations. We're not talking about small bloggers or... Somebody owns a website or that. Well, look at that. They're threatening us. Nobody's threatening you. Nobody's threatening you at all. The problem is, as a collective, you're undermining the republic. You're undermining the republic. You're trying to so thoroughly destroy this presidency that you've lost all notion of professionalism and objectivity. And the idea that people shouldn't notice it is preposterous. Of course we notice it. And the idea you shouldn't be condemned for it is ridiculous. That First Amendment belongs to the American people, not to Comcast, not to Jeff Bezos, and not to Time Warner. It belongs to we the people. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. buddy, Andy McCarthy, who's actually uh, one of the few people who's prosecuted an incitement case, that is, solicitation to commit a crime of violence, he's written a piece at National Review Online. He says, it may be a great political talking point to blame violence on provocative bilge. Maybe it poll tests well, but the accusation would be left, uh, laughed out of a courtroom. If you leave political narrative and cross into your real world of facts evidence and the wisdom of everyday experience here's what you know you hear a bar burner of a speech maybe it gets you riled up maybe you are moved to work harder to defeat your political opponents but people do not leave a political rally saying to themselves what he said about those bastards really ticked me off i think i'm going to commit a mass murder attack 
Please don't get me wrong, he says. A lot of the speech we're hearing from politicians is reprehensible. It's a sign of the time, by the way, from the media too, Andy. It's a sign of the times, a reflection of the coarsening of our culture, an indicator of how we've lost respect for ourselves and the civility of good manners that go with it. There has, moreover, long been a category of speech usually referred to as fighting words that has given, uh, been given minimal constitutional protection because it patently insults and incites. Let's see. But I do not mean to suggest that it is inconceivable that any but the most palpable incitements could ever be actionable. If politicians explicitly call for violence and violence results, they should be held politically accountable regardless of whether the circumstances allow for their prosecution. My point is simply this. No one goes on a bombing spree because of something heard at a political rally. No normal person is moved to murder because he hears an ideological firebrand demonize his opponents. People who engage in mass murder and other forms of terrorism are either committed to a violent movement or mentally disturbed. In either event, is that attributable to political rhetoric? Free speech, media. Now, Bill Ayers. Remember Bill Ayers? Remember Bernadine Dorn? Remember our efforts and other efforts by Hannity and others to raise this issue when Barack Obama was running for president of the United States? Remember how it was dismissed by the media? Remember how we were condemned by the media? Ayers and Dorn actually involved in violence with bombs. People laughed it off. People dismissed it. <clears throat> Trump hasn't done a damn thing that would result in what's taking place here. Not once in his life. Not ever in his life. He doesn't have friends like that. He doesn't have associates like that. Obama did. Shh, don't talk about that. Don't say anything. Incredible, isn't it? It's outrageous. That's not Trump's pedigree. He didn't hang around with people like that. Obama hung around with people like that. And nobody gave a damn. Certainly not in the media they didn't give a damn. Got a complete pass. Now, um, remember when comedy was great? You watch these comedy shows tonight? I don't know what's funnier. MSNBC and CNN... Or these clowns at night. Because none of them are funny. But remember when comedy was great. It wasn't political. It was, wasn't profane. And it wasn't worried about hurting someone's feelings. Well after being gone for far too long. Great comedy is now back. Announcing CRTV's Make Comedy Great Again tour. Coming to a performance theater near you. This is a lot of fun. It's a night of 100% clean politics-free stand-up comedy featuring an entire line of comedians who are ready to make you laugh until you cry. You'll appreciate safe, hilarious, laugh-out-loud language during this night of label-free, tell-it-like-it-is vintage comedy. CRTV's 2018 Make Comedy Great Again tour features veteran comedians like Jeff Allen, Brad Upton, Earl David Reed, and many more. So bring your grandma, bring your kids, and get ready to experience what comedy was always meant to be. Great and really funny. Find tickets for a theater near you. Here's where you go. You go to makecomedygreatagain.com, makecomedygreatagain.com. That's makecomedygreatagain.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been on the end of this media attack. Whether it was March of 2017, when I put together their 
reports and talked about the surveillance that had obviously been taking place in Trump world. Or if you go to Wikipedia, you take a look what's going on there. It's a disgrace what they've written about me and how they manage that site. You wouldn't even recognize me. Or when I wasn't here, I was with my father sitting by his side and the Washington Post, Robert Acosta and another reporter decided that they didn't like what a CRTV host said. So they had a Mark Levin CRTV. And then over at uh, Mother Jones, this clown Kevin Drum, he takes it and actually puts quotes around words as if I said them. I never said a word in two weeks. Wasn't on the air. Never said a word about Khashoggi. Doesn't matter. Now it's there. Not one of them has withdrawn it. Not one of them has apologized. So I know who I am, but they want to make me to be a, make me out to be something else. Remember that PBS special, Two Nights, where they go on and they, they cherry-pick clips from my program? Now, right-wing radio and so forth, we tried to get the producer-director on the program. He wouldn't come. He was a coward. They never even spoke to me. I'm on here three hours a day. Five days a week. I do Levin TV three to four days a week. I now do Fox. And yet they feel they have to interpret me, change me, rewrite what I say, cherry pick my background. So I know how the media operates. And I know why the media are despised. This was never the intent of the founders. Never. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I'd like to swing into another issue here. You know, I objected, and I object now, when the left and the Democrats want to constantly interfere with our economy. One industry after another. One industry after another. Do you agree with me? The Democrats are always wanting to regulate industries. They're always wanting to tell them what to do. They're always wanting to to set up their price structure and their employee structure and all other structures in our industry. We don't support that, do we? I mean, the way you create more products and the way you drive down costs is with less government, right? Less government interference. 
I mean, that makes sense. The Democrats constantly want to drive up the cost of domestic steel. Which results in you paying more for pickup trucks and you truckers out there for your 18-wheelers and people who want to buy, purchase a car. Drives up the cost of homes because, believe it or not, they're stealing your homes. They're stealing a lot of stuff. So it drives up costs, and the Democrats are always wanting to drive up costs. Why is that? Is a payoff to certain unions? Is that it? And it makes it much more difficult to export our products because it's much more expensive to create them, to, to build them, right? To construct them, to manufacture them. An automobile, for instance, if it costs two or three thousand dollars more to build an automobile in this country because the Democrats drive up the cost of steel, well, then we're not going to export as many automobiles. And what happens to the uh, to the auto workers? Well, they don't fare too well, do they? What happens to the American manufacturing uh, auto uh, makers? Well, they're going to fare less well, too. Same with the people who build motorcycles. So I'm really tired of the Democrats doing this. The Democrats have been talking for decades about basically controlling pharmaceutical companies. Controlling the costs of pharmaceuticals. Well, how are they going to control the costs of pharmaceuticals? How do they know what the cost of pharmaceuticals could be? We talked about this the other day, the billions of dollars that these companies spend to find, to make, to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And most of the time they fail. That's why there's a, a significant cost for certain types of medicines. And we talked about the poverty programs they have for people who can actually show that their income is at such a level that they can't afford super expensive medicines and so forth. But the Democrats want to control that. Bernie Sanders talks about it all the time. More. Government interference. How's the government going to know what to charge for something? I don't know. Then you look at ethanol. Ethanol was started as an alternative to natural gas and oil because of what OPEC was doing to us. We're now the biggest producer of oil and natural gas on the face of the earth. We don't need ethanol, and I don't want any calls about it. I don't want all these self-serving calls about it. We get them all. I'm not interested. We don't need ethanol. We don't need to use wheat as part of an element and making gasoline for your car. And for most cars, it's very damaging. So basically, we're subsidizing people who, uh, who produce this ethanol. We don't need it. The environmentalists used to push it. Now they've backed off and they say, hey, you know what? You, cre- you create more pollution uh, using ethanol, creating ethanol, than you don't. The point is, we don't need it anymore. So why should the federal government impose 15% ethanol and fuel? And it's been a big push by the left all these years now because it was done for eight months a year to make it a 12-month issue. That is the sale of E15 ethanol blend all year round, not just for eight months. Well, the Democrats didn't do this. The Trump administration did all three of these things. All three of these things. Ford Motor Company, which I guess we're supposed to hate now, has said that U.S. steel costs more than anywhere else in the world. 
They're spending an extra $1 billion on manufacturing automobiles. And you can see right now, automobile sales are flat for new automobiles. Because the prices are going up several thousands of dollars. So millions and millions of people are affected by that. And they don't even know it. Same with refrigerators. Same with washers and dryers. Same with dishwashers. Same with anything that has steel or, for that matter, aluminum. The prices are going up, and that has a pressure on what? Inflation. And you can start seeing inflation going up and interest rates going up. I support the American worker. I support the American consumer. I support the American economy. America first means capitalism first. Mark, I don't believe in free, free markets, pure free markets. Well, nobody does because we don't have them, and we've never had them. But that doesn't mean you embrace these Bernie Sanders policies. Let's look at drugs. The president's put out a dictate. It's not even legal. He's put out a dictate through the Department of, uh, what do they call it? Health and Human Services. They want price transparency. I don't have a problem with that. We all want price transparency. But when they do the price transparency on pharmaceuticals, here's what they need to do. It's the same thing at the gas tank when you go there and they they show you uh, the prices and all. Show us the taxes. Show us the cost. Show us the R&D that went into that particular medicine. In other words, you want transparency? Then give it all. Give us all the transparency that's involved. Do you see the amount of money that's being spent? You can read it in the newspaper all the time to find various cures for cancer. Do you see the amount of money that's being spent to find cures for dementia and Alzheimer's? The amount of money that's being spent to try and find cures for diabetes and so forth? Money's being spent over and over again. And really, in many ways, or at least in some ways, it's been quite beneficial. People live longer than ever before. You know, the government tried to regulate the cost of vaccines under Clinton and other administrations. You know what happened? We had one vaccine company left and they couldn't make enough vaccines. And then they had a hustle. So we had to import vaccines from Europe and other places. When the government gets involved, prices go up. Demand goes up. Quality goes down. Availability goes down. This is a matter of fact. It's not a matter of conservatism, liberalism, socialism, capitalism. It is a fact. It is experience. It's provable. So now we're driving up the cost of consumer goods, big consumer goods. I'll give you another one. And some of you won't like this either because, you know, you're suspending your rationality. And it's just uh, you're waving the flag uh, of uh, one party or another. I don't care. I support this president. Doesn't mean I agree with everything. I don't agree with what he's doing in these areas. I wouldn't even bring him up. The tax cuts. New home sales are flat and starting to decline. It's starting to happen with resales. Now, why is that? Well, the media will tell you mostly that it's because of increasing interest rates. Well, interest rates are increasing, but ladies and gentlemen, 
They're nowhere near high interest rates. 4%, 4.5%. Many of us have lived through 11, 12, 21% interest rates. This is nothing. Historically, it's minimal. That's not why. Why? Do you know why, Mr. Producer? Because you can't deduct all of your interest payments on mortgages and all your property taxes anymore. There's a $10,000 threshold. And it's doing exactly what I said it would do. It's having a negative effect on home sales. Those of you who want to resell your homes, whether it's in a red state or blue state, I don't care. You're in America. It's harder to resell your home now. And for builders who hire what we call construction workers and electricians and plumbers and tilers and brick workers and on and on and on. All those men, all those women are affected by this. I wish it was the greatest tax cut in American history, but as it applies to individuals, it simply was not. And so... It has a downward push on the housing industry. We're seeing a downward push on the production of automobiles, and we'll see more. And a downward push on the production on home appliances and so forth. This is what happens when you screw around with the economy, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump or or Jeb Bush or whomever it is. Throw out any name you want. This is what happens. And what's going to happen in the uh, drug market, I'm very concerned about. You're going to start to see shortages. There's going to be less R&D into new cutting-edge and life-improving medicines. Everything can't be about redistributing wealth. Everything can't be about egalitarianism. Everything cannot be about lowering prices at no, with no effect. We don't treat salaries that way. We don't treat profits that way. It's amazing to me. The only entity that gets bigger and bigger and gets more and more money is the federal government. And even conservatives, nationalist populists, they always turn to the central federal government to step in and rescue this or rescue that. We never learn our lessons. So I've picked at least four industries now that this administration has interfered in in a significant way. And I'm greatly concerned about it because that creates precedent For a left-wing kook president to come in and say, hey, look, Trump administration did it. I'm only building on what they've done. All right. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's take this FN off briefly, and I'm going to move on. But I needed to mention it because these things are going on. Let's take this ethanol briefly. There's absolutely no economic or energy basis for ethanol now. None whatsoever. None. None. There's no basis for ethanol whatsoever. There's no basis. It was originally brought in to deal, as I say, with OPEC and the hope was that be a relatively simple way to compete with that and so forth. But we have other technologies, fracking and so forth, that's unnecessary. And it does damage to certain engines and auto parts. 
So why is the president extending it for the entire year? Well, we know why. We know why. Now our steel is the most expensive steel in the world. So manufacturers who use steel and try to export it will have a very difficult time exporting their products, including automobiles, trucks, farm equipment, all kinds of tools, all kinds of consumer goods, because the cost will be much higher. Now, I understand the steel industry prefers it, and I understand the argument they've made for the last half century. But these things have consequences when you tinker or even more than tinker with the economy from top-down government action. It's the way it works. Harley-Davidson, it's not an unpatriotic company. Harley-Davidson's been around forever, 100 years. It's a magnificent company. It's an iconic American company. When they complain about the price of steel, they're not doing it because they're un-American. They're doing it because they are American. They're doing it because they do believe in the market system. So they're making their money now by moving production overseas, where the steel is cheaper. Not because they want to, because they don't want to go out of business. Just like steel mills don't want to go out of business, automobile manufacturers don't want to go out of business. Just like pharmaceutical companies don't want to go out of business. If you're going to force price controls on them, and that's what we're talking about, government top-down price controls like the left, well, you're going to get less drugs, less options, less new developments and inventions in medicine and technologies. That's not good. If you can show there's some kind of antitrust violation or something like that, go for it. But that's not what we're talking about here. White House decides it's too much. Now go in there and pull down the prices. I mean, that would be the same thing saying to a developer. You're charging too much for your condos. You're charging too much for office space. You're charging too much for this, that, or the other. Why are certain industries untouchable and other industries are endlessly touchable? Why is that? I told you yesterday... That the media are a joke. They, they were horrifically comparing the president to Hitler, his terms to Hitler, because he says I'm a nationalist. And it is outrageous that they use such rhetoric. It is grotesque. But also, I pointed out yesterday that the man who made this nationalism frame famous in the last century was Theodore Roosevelt, a progressive. And he gave this famous speech called the New Nationalism Speech. They talked about all the things big centralized government was going to do. And that's when I said to the president, at least on the air, you don't want to be that, do you? We're not talking about nationalism. We're talking about Americanism. When you say America first, you're not saying nationalism first. We believe in federalism. Now, I know what the president meant. You know what the president meant. For the left, it was just another opportunity to defame the president and to dumb down what Hitler did. It's sick. 
But words have meaning. They have consequence. You, listening to me, you're not nationalists. If you're nationalists, you believe in big centralized government. The national government at all times, vis-a-vis the state governments or local governments. That's not what you believe. It's not nationalism versus globalism. It's constitutionalism versus globalism. It's capitalism that we embrace. Constitutionalism. Individualism. Just to put a fine point on it. There's no reason the government should be involved in what goes into your tank, on your car, your gas tank, or your, or your pickup truck, or your 18-wheeler. All they do is screw it up and drive up the cost. There's no reason to pay two or $3,000 more for a vehicle in order to protect one union and one industry. There's no reason to have to subsidize people who grow wheat that was done... In the 70s and 80s, when we're energy independent today, none of this is necessary. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods But what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. Yes, I misspoke. Ethanol's from corn, at least most of it, not wheat. You know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. They're proactive. That's the point. So you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the United States. Now, this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, 
ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And it truly is. You can do it for free. I don't think it gets better than that. Oh, hell, the guy dropped out. He wanted to tell me, hey, Mark, you know, the uh, deduction for interest on mortgage and property taxes in these blue states, you know, that means all the rest of us are subsidizing it because there's less federal revenue. You can make that argument on every single deduction. You can make that argument on every single deduction that every state that has a state income tax or state property tax is being subsidized by the handful of states that have low property taxes. But you're missing the entire point. This isn't about states. The money doesn't belong to the states. The money doesn't belong to the federal government. You sound like leftists. When you make a charitable deduction, a deduction based on a contribution, let's say, to a, uh, a military organization or to your church or your synagogue, does that mean that the people who don't make contributions like that are subsidizing your church or subsidizing a military organization? Of course not. It's a stupid argument. But it's even worse than that. We're talking about individuals, not states. Individuals buy homes. Individuals sell homes. And you just drove up the cost. You just drove up the cost. Young people trying to buy their first home, now it's going to be more difficult. Older people trying to sell their home, which they've invested in, say, 30, 40 years, and they want to downsize and they want to use the profits from the home in order to live a better life on their retirement. It's going to be harder to do that now. And all the men and women who are involved in construction of new homes and new apartment houses, well, when the market's flat, they don't have jobs. Don't buy into the propaganda that this is about states and the federal government. It's about individuals and families. It's about hardworking men and women. And you don't have to believe me. The new housing market is flat. In fact, it's declining. That's a fact. But the caller hung up, so I didn't get a chance to engage. Let's go to Nick, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go. Sir, your show is too important for me to say that I'm enjoying it. I think your message is great, and uh, we all need to hear it. So first, I want to thank you. Uh, thank you, sir. I, wa- I-, I want to point out uh, that it seems like the only thing wrong with America, if you were to listen to the media, are guns, toxic masculinity, and Trump. Uh, it's the only time they're going to find causation in any kind of problem that's going on. Other than that... They're very quick to ignore causation or any type of attempt to try and find causation uh, when it doesn't fit their narrative. Uh, I'm going to do uh, what my idol, Sean Hannity, does and just let you talk now because I'm done. Thank you, <laughs> you mean when I'm on the Hannity show, he lets me talk, which is very nice of him. I'm the one guy I think he lets talk, and there's a reason for it. Uh, he's my buddy. That's the main reason for it. James, Cleveland, Ohio, Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm trying to learn to be a constitutional conservative by listening to you. I subscribe to CRTV, and I watch your program as often as I can, and I really appreciate everything you do. Thank you. The comment I wanted to say is that uh, um, 
the president of the United States is a citizen just like the rest of us, and he should be able to express his free speech just like any of us, especially when he's defending himself from the biased media that's attacking him from since day one. Uh, well, what, what has he said that's wrong? Nothing. And let me ask you a question, sir. In all this talk the last few days about Trump and and his language and his, and his comments, which don't even come close to what the media do, Trump hasn't sick the FBI on the media like Obama did, has he? Not at all. Trump hasn't hasn't surveilled reporters, has he? Not at all. He has not limited the free press one iota. And uh, how? In fact, the free press is is uh, getting better ratings. Uh, some aren't because you know they're, they're just hopeless. But a lot of them are getting better ratings and uh, and charging more for commercials than they ever did before. So how does that hurt them? Not at all. They're publicizing this for their own financial gain and making this a circus. And the left, on top of it, the people in power on the left and the people that follow them are just, they feel vulnerable and, they, and they're like a desperate animal fighting uh, viciously to try to regain the power. And it's very despicable. Now, what and happened here, what happened here is they thought this would be a cakewalk election. They really did. Uh, they thought Trump was a loser. His supporters were losers. The conservative media, they're losers. And uh, they were already, uh, they had their cakes already, their uh, celebrations already. They thought it would be the third term of Obama. They were going to have a hell of a time, wonderful time, stacking the courts with more leftists, pushing more uh, centralized government, more government-run health care, more open borders. They thought they had it all set. And then they were stunned. The silent majority spoke. And silent majority voted Donald Trump president of the United States. They couldn't believe it. And they've been working every day since, whether it's the phony Russia conspiracy or something else. They have latched onto everything and anyone and anything to try and take down this president. They want him removed by impeachment. They talk about the 25th Amendment because the idiots don't even understand the 25th Amendment. Now they're hoping that they can elect the Democrats to the House of Representatives in order to destroy the presidency with endless subpoenas and investigations and impeachment and on and on and on. This is what they're all about. All right, James, thank you for your call, my friend. We're going to have an unbelievable show Sunday night on Life, Liberty and Levin at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the full hour one on one Newt Gingrich and me. And it's a pre-election show. So we're going to discuss everything. Certain races in the Senate, certain races in the House, certain gubernatorial races, but even more than that. The issues, the media, the president, past presidents. I think you're going to love it. It's a real mix of history and philosophy, real politics, current news about certain races, the way certain races have been run. I really, really think you're going to enjoy this. So... Please don't miss it. Write it down or DVR it. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, this Sunday. It's going to be a spectacular show. Newt doesn't normally get a whole hour to speak. Certainly not with somebody like me. It's usually little segments, this, that, and the other. And he's the Newt Gingrich, who is, who is the scholar, who is the historian, who was the Speaker of the House, who in 1994 did what they never thought would happen to that is taking back the House of Representatives. Very, very important. So um, 
I think you'll enjoy that program, and I hope you watch. And if I may, uh, this Tuesday, um, those of you who, who appreciate law enforcement, who are in law enforcement, uh, my father's final book comes out. He was very excited about this, and unfortunately, he's not here to see its release. Uh, he illustrated and wrote this book uh, completed it about six, seven, eight months ago, and it takes that long to produce it uh, because uh, children's book, particularly his, have a lot of color and the pages are very thick and it just goes through the printing process repeated times. And um, he wrote this book because he was very disturbed about the way the police were being treated in this country, law enforcement at every level. Uh, he, he was very upset about the, the police being killed and shot um, he, uh, he's a sober man. <clears throat> he understood that there are certain individuals here and there that may not behave. But the onslaught on the law enforcement community upset him a great deal. And he felt, as he did with his other books, that it was very, very important for younger people to appreciate this country, to appreciate our institutions, to appreciate our history. And he always appreciated the police officers. He always did even as a young man. So, uh, if you're of the mind, it's not for the money, I can assure you that. I just uh, want to make it available to you. It's called Our Police by Jackie Levin. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon.com or any major bookstore, their website. It's 30% discounted on Amazon.com. If that helps you, I think it's 13 14 bucks. And it's a beautiful gift. It's, you parents and grandparents out there, it's a wonderful thing to read to your children, too. And as I say, it's uh, illustrated by him. It, it is and will be his last book. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, I want all of you to know, eight and a half million of you on terrestrial radio... Five million of you on podcast. God knows how many on uh, streamlining and uh, so forth. Satellite. I want you to know something. In the mornings, about three days a week when I have to exercise, my buddy Justin uh, is great at it. And my wife insists on it. It's, you know, it's for cardiovascular and so forth. And they're right. They've made me a lot healthier, that's for sure. I don't watch news when I exercise. You know what I watch? It's usually around 10 a.m. in the morning. I watch ESPN. There's only one reason why I watch ESPN. I think it's called First Take. It's because Stephen A. Smith is on there. Sky Max Kellerman's on there, too. I'm, I'm liking him more. He's a, he's a flat-out lib, but, you know, he's, he's interesting to some extent. His eyes are always, like, glued to the monitor, but that's a whole other story. Stephen A. Smith and I are friends. Doesn't mean we agree all the time, but we respect each other. We're both passionate about what we do. And I bring that up because people with different backgrounds, people with different beliefs, although we have overlapping beliefs too, can get along and get along very well. 
people who are passionate can get along very well. But uh, he's a very good man, and I love watching him on TV. Kind of reminds me of me. No offense. But I'll tell you what is different than me. The guy's like the rain man when it comes to sports. He knows every sport. Every player in every some kind. How the hell do you figure all this out? Every player in every sport, what they did yesterday or last night in the basketball game or what they did three years ago in a particular football game. I mean, the guy is smart as hell. I don't know how you remember all that stuff. But it's a place I go to forget about all this, to be honest with you. Because I enjoy sports too. I mean, I'm no expert on it, but I enjoy it. But whether you're talking about boxing or the UFC or baseball or basketball or football or whatever the hell it is, he knows it. And uh, even though I strongly disagree with Kellerman's knee-jerk liberalism, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to like him more on that show. Although uh, if they probably tracked who spoke the longest, it would be Kellerman. Typical lib. Typical lib. Takes him five times as long to say what, what uh, Stephen A. can say in about 30 seconds. It really is. Have you ever thought about the word education? It means to lead forth. The word forth raises another question. Which way is forth? How do you know you're going in the right direction? Now, the easy answer, the knee-jerk answer is it just depends on which way you want to go. Now, my friend, and he is a dear friend, the president of Hillsdale College, Dr. Larry Arn, says young people almost always say that, and that they've been taught to say that. But you and I both know that's not the right answer. In fact, it's the wrong answer. And let me tell you about a place that leads forth, Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, they understand that true education means pursuing the highest answer to the question, which way is forth? Hillsdale students are challenged to discover the right way forward by reading the greatest books by the greatest minds in history. And they learn the meaning of the three ultimate and related things, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Hillsdale holds a unique and important role in American education today. I strongly encourage all of you, my listeners, to learn more about this remarkable institution. Just go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. Tony, Grand Junction, Colorado, the great KNZZ. Go. Hey, Mark. Thank you for your time. Hey, when I was talking about uh, Joe and Mika a little earlier, you know, the violence that's supposed to be uh, when he was first elected, there was a lady comedian holding up a severed, bloodied head of the President Trump. And I didn't notice anybody uh, complaining about that. You know, it sounded like a lot of them were kind of defending that. And, you know, in my eye, I just wonder his kids, especially little Baron and the family, you know, talking about violence. Uh, how do they classify that? Well, you're quite right. You're quite right. Kathy Griffin, who is a, uh, a uh, malcontent, a miscreant. She's not even funny. She's stupid. Um, she did that. Uh, she was criticized by conservatives mostly. She apologized, and then she's come back with vengeance. Well, I shouldn't apologize. Matter of fact, it's worse. And, um, and she's not alone. These people really aren't comedians. The Stephen Colbert, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Bits, 
Who's the other clown? I can't even remember all these fools. I long for the day of a Johnny Carson or somebody like that. Uh, these guys have destroyed late night uh, comedy. Absolutely. They're, they're not comics. They're jesters. They're court jesters. That's what they are. I All right, Tony. You more, sir. Thank you. All right, brother. Thank you. Tammy, Savannah, Georgia, the great WTKS. Go. Hey, Mark, it's a privilege to get to talk to you tonight. Um, First of all, I wanted you to know that I didn't even know who you were until my um, uh, 14-year-old son told me during the presidential stuff that I need to listen to this guy, Mark Levin, because he knew everything. So we Well, you have a very, you have a brilliant young man there, and uh, I understand I'm popular among 14-year-olds. Yes, um, he's 15 now, and he is singing your praises every day. What's his first name? His name is Caleb. Thank you, Caleb, and I love that name, by the way. <laughs> we were out today um, doing our bowling practice, and uh, they had some decent news on in the bowling alley, and we were watching the news about the mystery packages that you know showed up around. And I, I understand why the Democrat side goes this way, but why is it that this is such a travesty when all they have squawked is get up in people's faces and get in a crowd and make a scene and push back on people. Yeah, your point is that the left has been agitating for a fight. And uh, why aren't they responsible for their own language and their own conduct? Thank you. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our final hour of the evening. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-381. Over at the Drudge Report. Drudge has a link to a piece in Politico, which is absolutely fascinating. It's from late last night. I meant to get to this. Only so much time. By the way, we have a wonderful candidate at the bottom of the hour, Ron DeSantis, who's running for governor in Florida. A race near and dear to all of our hearts, so we want to focus on that. But first, listen to this, and I'll tell you what I think is going on. Mueller, remember him? Mueller link seen in mystery grand jury appeal. The special counsel appears to be locked in a dispute with a mystery grand jury witness, but much of the case is sealed. Special counsel Robert Mueller appears to be locked in a dispute with a mystery grand jury witness, resisting giving up information sought in the ongoing probe into alleged Trump campaign collusion with Russia. It's unclear exactly what the two sides are fighting over. But the case appears to resemble a separate legal battle involving an associate of Trump ally Roger Stone, Andrew Miller, who's fighting a Mueller subpoena. Miller's lawyers are using the case slated to be argued at the D.C. Court of Appeals early next month, excuse me, to mount a broad legal assault on Mueller's authority as special counsel. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but you'll recall on this program, this is something I've been urging challenging the constitutionality of this appointment. Let the chips fall where they may, but it needs to be challenged. And apparently that's what's taking place. 
In the more shadowy case, which involves an unknown person summoned before a grand jury this summer, the D.C. Circuit on Monday set a separate round of arguments for December 14. The case traveled in recent months from U.S. District Court Chief Judge Beryl Howe to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, back down to Howe and back up again to the Appeals Court with most details shrouded in secrecy. Another indication that much of Mueller's activity is taking place behind the scenes and is rarely glimpsed by the press or public. So this battle's going on in the grand jury. And there are appeals, obviously, taking place up to the circuit court, which is right under the Supreme Court. Over whether or not, I suspect, broadly speaking, Mueller has the authority to do anything that he's doing. However, a political reporter who visited the appeals court clerk's office on a day when a key filing in a dispute was due earlier this month observed a man request a copy of the special counsel's latest sealed filing so that the man's law firm could craft its response. The individual who was asked for the secret filing declined to identify himself or his client and replied, I'm okay, when offered a reporter's business card to remain in touch. Three hours later, a sealed response in the grand jury dispute was submitted to the D.C. Circuit. Another detail emerged Wednesday, strengthening the secret legal battle's apparent tie to Mueller's probe. The first appeal appears to have been rejected by a D.C. Circuit panel as premature. The witness's lawyers asked the full bench of of appeals court to review that decision, but a notation in court filing says only nine of the court's ten active judges participated. Bowing out was Judge Greg uh, Katsis, the court's only member appointed by President Donald Trump. Katsis served as Deputy White House Counsel before Trump tapped him for the powerful D.C. Court of Appeals last year. Goes on. A spokesman for Mueller's office, Peter Carr, declined to comment on the litigation. Lawyers for Trump said the mystery grand jury subpoena fight moving through the D.C. Circuit had nothing to do with the president. No idea, said Trump personal attorney Jay Sekulow, when shown the docket for the case. Attorneys for Roger Stone said they didn't know of anyone challenging a Mueller subpoena beyond Miller. Miller's lawyers agreed with Mueller's prosecutors to make many aspects of the dispute public. No such agreement appears to have been struck in the other fight, although Mueller's team and the mystery witness did file a joint motion earlier this month asking the appeals court to expedite resolution of the dispute. Several other lawyers who represent witnesses in the Mueller investigation also said they were unaware of who's crossing legal swords with the special counsel's team in the largely secret case. A few bare-bones details about the dispute are available in the public record. While all records about the litigation in the district court are sealed, the D.C. Circuit's docket shows that the case was brought in the D.C. court on August 16, and Hal ruled on it September 19. The initial appeal was filed five days later. Stay with me on this, because we'll try to make sense of this. It's actually very, very fascinating. The bottom line is, most likely scenario, someone filed a motion to quash or otherwise resisted a grand jury subpoena, And the judge issued an order denying that and saying the witness needs to testify, said Ted Boutros, who I know, a Gibson, Dunn, and Crutcher attorney who has handled grand jury-related litigation for journalists and media organizations. It's unclear whether the case the appeals court has agreed to hear in December 
involves an assertion of attorney-client privilege or some other privilege, is framed as a broader attack on Mueller's authority or perhaps advances both sets of arguments. Very hard to tell from this docket. Well, I'll tell you. It's not hard to tell at all. Mr. Miller challenged, we know from a few months back, the constitutionality, the appointment of Mueller under the Appointments Clause of the Constitution, the same argument I've been making and Professor Calabrese has made. I don't know exactly what kind of argument they're making. Obviously, I'm not privy to this sort of thing. But it's the same person, Miller, and I assume it's the same lawyers who are making this argument, probably challenging the subpoenas by challenging the constitutionality of Mueller and his operation in the first instance. I suspect, I believe strongly, that that's what's taking place. Again, not because I have first-hand knowledge, but because remember what took place a few months ago. The grand jury cases pose a threat to Mueller's investigation because they can serve as vehicles to get questions of his authority and legal legitimacy before appellate judges relatively quickly, and I believe that's what's taking place here. Such questions have also been raised by defendants in some of Mueller's criminal cases. But all the human defendants who've set foot in a courtroom have ultimately decided to plead guilty and drop any challenges to the special counsel's authority or tactics. Mystery cases moving through the courts involving grand jury matters and independent counsel matters are are an uncommon, a 1997 conflict of interest investigation into America, our chief Eli Siegel's fundraising activities was conducted under seal from its start. And a final report remains out of public view involving another Clinton-era probe, the Labor Secretary Alexis Herman, and influence-peddling accusations. This, can't, this can get a step or two weirder than it already is, said an attorney representing a senior Trump staffer in the Russian inquiry. The lawyer recalled a case from a previous investigation where he couldn't even get to see a judge's opinion because it was under steel. All right. I'm fairly confident that this is the case that was originally brought involving Miller by counsel. As I said, they questioned the appointment of Miller under the appointments clause. Now, the D.C. Circuit has been packed uh, with leftists and Obama appointees, so who knows what will happen there. Perhaps they're building the foundation also to take it to the United States Supreme Court. And despite what you've heard by a senior judicial analyst and others, this is not the Morrison versus Olson case of 30 years ago involving the independent counsel. The elements in that court decision appear to have been violated, in my opinion, and in Professor Calabrese's opinion, respecting Mueller. And this is why these two questions are important. Stay with me because you're smart. And you'll know you'll be able to follow all this. We've talked about it before. Is Mr. Mueller a principal officer of the federal government? Or is he an inferior officer? For purposes of a challenge to the appointments clause of the Constitution, I have no doubt that he insists that he's an inferior officer who reports to Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein, that he did not have to be nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate. He's nothing more than an inferior office official like some assistant United States attorney or deputy to an assistant attorney general. Now, you know that's not true. He's got more power than a U.S. attorney. 
And the reason, among other reasons, that he has more power than a U.S. attorney is because his initial appointment was enormously broad and didn't provide any criminal basis for his investigation. We've talked about that. So this isn't like Morrison versus Olson. Now, the court may conclude that it is, but on the facts, it is not. It's a legitimate challenge of his authority. I don't know where it'll go, but I'm glad it's being done. And I more than suspect, I believe strongly that that's the ping pong that's going on between the trial court, the district court and the appellate court back and forth. And that's why the appellate court is uh, is going to hear the case. And again, as I said, that court is heavily loaded with a uh, with leftist activists. So the the final case will have to be made to the Supreme Court if they'll accept it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it really is a privilege, and I say that and I truly mean it, to have Ron DeSantis, the Republican running for governor, of Florida on this program. I've been a fan of his since the day he was elected. I watched him work in the House of Representatives. He is solid. He has enormous integrity. He's a he's an Iraq vet. He's a very smart guy, graduated from Harvard, and he's still smart. And um, and he's taken the lead on so many issues that are important to this country. Ron DeSantis, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. You know, I watched this debate last night with your opponent, Gillum. And I got to say this before we get into substance. He is a very nasty guy. I mean, uh, he turns to you. I, he must have called you a liar 20 times. Uh, he, uh, he he just said some incredibly snarky things. And I thought to myself, this guy's cocky. He thinks that ha- he has it in the bag. And I suspect he does not. I mean, what did you make of the debate? Well, look, I think I think that whole performance was really beneficial for me. I mean, you know, when you're running for governor, Mark, obviously, you know, voters are going to look to see, you know, do they agree with Jim or not? And so I'm somebody who's running on keeping Florida a low tax state. He wants a massive tax. Uh oh. Law enforcement. He's running saying that we should abolish ICE, and so there are different, obviously, huge policy differences, but. In the governor's race, uh, instead of like a Senate or a House race, it's more than just about your positions. It's about leadership and, and who could actually do the job. And I think his antics just showed that he's not somebody that would be a good governor, even apart from his radical left-wing ideology. So I think his whole performance backfired. I think a lot of people that tuned in looked at me, uh, and they obviously now get a sense of my biography, my service to the country. Um, and I just think that they the, the easy decision is that I'm just a better leader than Gillum. One of the things that's very, very troubling to me, knowing you now for several years, you led the fight in the House of Representatives to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital when nobody thought it would go anywhere. You led the fight in the House of Representatives pressing for moving the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. You succeeded, along with the president, along with our our wonderful ambassador, Friedman, and so forth. And then for him and his party to suggest that you're supported by (laughs) neo-Nazis, when in fact you're the biggest voice for the state of Israel in the United States House of Representatives, my jaw hit the floor. 
I mean, well, I, I think it was so ridiculous that I think voters just, just laughed that off. I mean, give me a break. And this is from a guy who actually opposes having our embassy in Jerusalem. He opposes recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And he's been endorsed by this radical left-wing group, the Dream Defenders. And he actually signed a pledge to the group saying he would support this radical manifesto they have. Um, and this group, Dream Defenders, one of their main uh, things is boycotting Israel, BDS. They say Israel's a genocidal apartheid state. So that's the group he stands with. He will not disavow this group because that, that is who he is. And um, actually just today there was a group of, we had 38 sheriffs in Florida write Gillum a letter asking him to disavow the Dream Defenders because uh, the pledge that Gillum signed uh, said that police and prisons have no place in justice. They want to abolish uh, basically traditional law enforcement, defund it, and then spend the money on welfare programs. It's very radical stuff. It's dripping with hatred for our men and women uh, in law enforcement, and it's just totally unacceptable. And Gillum, he will not budge. I mean, he's sticking by that, and, and that's just unacceptable for us. So, yeah, for him to say that, uh, I think it was um, – I think it was a total farce. And that's the thing. Voters are sick of people on the left uh, just lashing out like that at, at folks. And, and I think it really backfired big time. You know, when you sign a petition, you know, you're putting your signature to it. So there's no confusion. And he signs a petition in favor of boycotting Israel. He signs a petition in favor of moving police officers out of prisons. And more than that, as you pointed out, but I don't think the moderator quite comprehended what you were saying. You're talking about, he says, abolish ICE and move it under the Justice Department. I don't know how that changes anything, moving ICE from one uh, building to another building as somebody who served as chief of staff to the attorney general. His problem is he rejects law enforcement. And your point was this. Once a criminal alien serves time in a state prison in florida the door is open and they're either turned over to the feds who deport them or they come into your neighborhood and he supports that person going into your neighborhood and not being deported isn't that basically his position yeah i asked him on sunday night's debate at cnn will you honor a detainer request they're called detainers when the federal government wants to take a criminal illegal coming out of prison Will you honor a detainer request from Donald Trump's ICE agency? He would not uh, say he would do that. And so, you know, he's going to say, oh, I don't want criminals on the street. But the fact of the matter is he's pledged not to cooperate with ICE. And this idea that all he wants to do is move it under the Justice Department. Mark, you know, that's him trying to backtrack off his position. You know, when he was running ads in the primary saying abolish ICE because they want open borders. That's what the far left wants. And he was playing to that base. So the idea that all he wants to do is like an administrative tweak, uh, he's lying when he says that. Uh, he wants to abolish the agency because he doesn't want immigration enforcement. Now, when we come back after the bottom of the hour, Ron DeSantis, by the way, what is your website, Ron? RonDeSantis.com. All right, we're going to put it up on my social sites. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron's being big time outspent. This guy is Soros behind him. He's got Steyer behind him. All the left-wing billionaires and left-wing groups, they're targeting Florida. They know if they take Florida, it's going to be very difficult to win the presidency in the future. 
They're getting behind a true Bernie Sanders, George Soros, people for the American way, which is who he works for, radical. And when we come back, I want to ask Ron DeSantis, there's an FBI investigation that's been taking place in Tallahassee where this guy was mayor and Mr. Gillum's connection to it. And there is a connection to it. We'll be right back. Radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Your data's everywhere. Data breaches, Facebook breaches, big companies mining and sharing your information. These are legitimate companies putting you at risk. Now, you add in all the crooks and scammers and the risk of ID theft. It's insane. So, look, the best thing you can do is protect yourself and your family. It's why I switched to my ID care for identity protection. Now, they are the very best in the business with plans starting for less than $10 a month. And only my ID care offers a 100% money back recovery guarantee. You can sign up at myidcare.com slash mark and our promo code mark. Myidcare.com slash mark and our promo code mark. My ID care has taken care of Fortune 500 companies for years. But now their protection is available to people like you and me. And you, my listeners, also get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark. Learn more and then let myidcare take care of you and your family. That's myidcare.com slash mark, enter promo code mark. One more, myidcare.com slash mark, enter promo code mark. Hugely important governor's race in Florida that affects the whole nation. It's the third most populated state. And, of course, the left would love nothing more than to control the governorship and to control what takes place in that state prior to the 2020 election, as they would Texas. And uh, it's very important, this race that's taking place in Florida. And the Democrat is about as radical left as you can get. And the left all over the country is pouring millions and millions of dollars into this, including billionaires who are the, the usual suspects. Ron DeSantis, who I've strongly endorsed. Ron DeSantis, um, Tallahassee is a very corrupt government under this mayor. There has been a, a, a long-going FBI investigation, as I understand it. And even the mayor himself, that is, the man who wishes to be governor, Andrew uh, Gillum, he got caught up in this. What exactly happened? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So he has a very close relationship with several lobbyists who were lobbying the city government uh, to get basically city money to, to build a project. They wanted $2 million. And so what these lobbyists did is they arranged a number of excursions, one of which was to New York City. Um, and along for the ride on that was a undercover FBI agent who had kind of il- infiltrated. Uh, he was posing as a contractor trying to do business with the city. Uh, but this guy got Andrew during that trip a $1,000 ticket to go see the play Hamilton. I mean, people hear about these Hamilton tickets. They think it's like going to see a movie. The tickets were at least $1,000 at that time. Um, And so he gave it to Andrew. Andrew knew that. Andrew's lied about that. But now there's been evidence that shows that. But then those same lobbyists also arranged a luxury four-night stay in this Costa Rica villa, which ended up costing about $1,000 for Andrew and his wife, uh, in addition to some other folks. And again, Andrew didn't pay for that. And then what happens after all this, Mark? Lo and behold, Mayor Andrew Gillum turns around 
and he gives those lobbyists the $2 million deal that they were looking for. And so Andrew was getting things that, that he shouldn't have had that did violate Florida ethics laws, and then the lobbyists got uh, exactly what they were paying for. And so that's really the way Tallahassee government runs. It's corrupt. It's wrong. Um, Andrew has, you know, he lied to the country on Sunday night when I confronted him about this, but then documents came out almost immediately that refuted his denial, showed he was lying, um, and he's basically tried to blame everyone he can because he just refuses to take responsibility. But the bottom line is he still to this day tries to say he's not under investigation. But, Mark, you're very smart in the law. You understand this stuff. Would an FBI agent ever act undercover and give somebody a potential bribe like that if they weren't investigating the public official? That'd be yeah. the only reason you would do such a thing. Of course, and nobody knows if he's in the clear now or not. Nobody knows if this is an ongoing investigation of, among other people, him. No, it's, it's, de- it's definitely an ongoing investigation. I mean, that, that, that much is for sure. Um, it's interesting. We, we ran an ad... Uh, basically uh, talking about all this problem. And his attorney wrote a cease and desist letter to these stations. And in the letter, the attorney said, uh, public reports have said that Andrew is not the subject of the investigation. But as you know, Mark, some of these buzzwords, you can be a subject of an investigation. You can also be a target of the investigation. His own campaign attorney did not put in that letter that Andrew is not a target. He just said Andrew's not a subject. So that, to me, is is uh, is an interesting omission uh, because the bottom line is, why would they be investigating corruption in City Hall if it had nothing to do with the mayor? You wouldn't have had those FBI agents around him on these trips like they were on. And Ron DeSantis, he immediately tried to racialize this issue, that the reason you were bringing it up, and for that matter, I guess, uh, local media is bringing it up, is because of his race. Now, last time I checked, it has nothing to do with somebody's race when there's an undercover agent giving somebody um, a value to try and see if they'll take it. And he took it. It has nothing to do with race. And I notice he's tried to do this over and over and over again in this campaign. Let me ask you a question. Your running mate. Who is your running mate? Uh, Her name is Jeanette Nunez. She's a state representative from Miami. She's a Cuban-American? Cuban-American, and, and when we get elected, she'll be the highest-ranking uh, female Hispanic in the history of Florida government. Mm-hmm. I notice the media doesn't talk much about that. No, of course not. But I'll tell you, with Andrew lashing out like this, I mean, uh, when you start talking about corruption, people understand it ain't about black or white. It's about right versus wrong. And if you're using this office to feather your own nest like Andrew did, then that's a problem. It's interesting, Mark, though. It wasn't just the, the illegal stuff that he's done. When he was on the Tallahassee City Commission, uh, he did vote to raise property taxes on people, but he also voted to increase his own retirement benefits by tens of thousands of dollars, basically doubling his pay. Uh, and so he wanted uh, people of Tallahassee to pay more, and he wanted some of that to go directly into his pocket. So he's always been a self-dealing politician. Uh, whether it's illegal, whether it's legal votes like that, which are corrupt anyways, or illegal activity like accepting the Hamilton ticket and turning around and giving these guys the deal they wanted. And he worked for this group, People for American Way. Is that correct? Yeah. And here's the thing about that. That's a very ultra liberal group. So if you look at People for the American Way's filings, they say they pay Andrew Gillum. This is while he's mayor, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year 
to work 40 hours a week. Well, the mayor of Tallahassee is a full-time job. So how the hell is he working 40 hours a week for people for the American way? So one of two things are true. Either he is actually doing that, in which case he's neglecting the people of Tallahassee, which may explain why they had the highest number of murders in the history of the city last year and have one of the most, uh, uh, they have the highest crime rate in Florida, or he ain't working 40 hours a week, and that's all just a fraud, and he's basically accepting money without performing services. So one or the other uh, is problematic, no matter which way you slice it. I'm a little confused, and I bet the nation is, and the Floridians are too. You can be mayor and have a side job with a group like People for the American Way, founded by Norman Lear out of Hollywood, <laughs> and earn $140,000 on the side? Well, yeah, and I think that the question is, is People for the American Way said that was in exchange for him working 40 hours a week. I think he probably wasn't doing 40 hours a week. I think they were just trying to funnel money to him. But if he was working 40 hours a week to them, how does that make the people of Tallahassee feel? You know, they have the this out-of-control crime problem. He's raising their taxes. He's doing all these things, and yet he's working for these left-wing groups. So it's a problem either way. But it's interesting. Even though those documents are out there, um, journalists do not pursue that at all. I mean, if I, if I walk on the wrong side of the sidewalk, you know, they mm-hmm. try to do, uh, do different stories on me. So it's definitely a double standard. I mean, it's an obvious question that, would really, that should be investigated by the press. I want to hit two other things before you go, and that is health care and taxes. He uh, has talked about Medicare for all. This is the big left-wing push, Medicare for all. And it's been pointed out, Medicare for all means everyone on Medicare loses Medicare. Everyone Absolutely. on a on an employer, private employer health care plan loses their private employer health care plan. Every union member whose union has negotiated a health care plan, they will lose their health care plan. Everybody will lose the health care that they have now with some theory, some abstraction, some concoction they'll create where Washington, D.C. will have this iron-fisted system, whether you like it or not, whatever you have today disappears. And what is his response to this? That he would eliminate all existing health care plans for everybody that's on them, including Medicare. One little correction, Mark. It, it eliminates, I think, for about 300 million people, the two things that Bernie's bill keeps are the VA and the Indian Health Service. So oh, I guess that okay. means that that Elizabeth Warren has a 1-1,000% one, chance <laughs> to keep her health care if they do this. But bottom line is right. So his response is, uh, when I called him out on this, was basically to act like he didn't know what I was talking about. He was running commercials saying single-payer health, Medicare for, for all two months ago. But he realizes that that is toxic in Florida because – we have senior citizens who have their arrangements. They've been paying into Medicare. They have Medicare Advantage, these programs. We have obviously millions of people who earn their health benefits through their employer, um, through their employment. And he would take all of that away. You have no choice. You get dumped, just as you said, dumped on a single payer, which we know will cause tax increases. It will bankrupt us. It'll hemorrhage money. And so they'll have to ration. And so, yeah, you may have the right to have all this great stuff, but you're not going to find a doctor that's going to be able to perform that. There'll be waiting lines, and we know the drill on all that. So that is not popular once people know uh, what it is. And so basically he's just tried to run away from it as much as he can, um, even though in the primary he was saying that that's the way that you win win in Florida. So we're going to keep reminding voters. That let's, he talk about, believes, let's talk about – let's talk about – 
Let's hit taxes now. I mean, one, one of the reasons a lot of people come to Florida from these blue states is you don't have an income tax. And that's also one of the reasons you have such a dynamic economy and such a diverse economy in Florida. And I have a home in Florida, so I've seen I've seen the difference between a no tax income tax state and I have a home and my primary residence in Virginia and an income tax state. I cannot believe with all the proposals he's making, he says, I've never supported a uh, state income tax. That's what these guys do. I saw it in Connecticut years ago and so forth. Though I'm not in favor. And then they push and push the spending and the debt. And then either they push for an income tax or some court orders an income tax. He supports an income tax and in truth, doesn't he? So there was a study done, a nonpartisan study that analyzed all his spending proposals. And the conclusion of this study was in order to make it work, he would either need to do one of two things, have a statewide sales tax of 38 percent or impose a state income tax, which could reach as high as 35 percent. So those are the only two realistic routes where he would be able to pay for because, you know, he wants to pay for single payer health care. He wants to pay for free college. He wants to do all this other stuff. Uh, and that's what it would cost. So you go down that road. Uh, Florida is done economically. I mean, it would totally cripple our economy and cripple our state. And we obviously can't let that happen um, at all. $15 minimum wage. Seattle tried it. It's been a complete failure. All these cities that try it, uh, what they wind up doing is the, the, the people who are earning minimum wage or low wages, they're the ones who are punished. Because what happens is people get fired. Small restaurants can't afford it. Even chains can't afford it. And so the price of food goes up. Less people go into these outlets and go into these places. And people lose jobs. They lose tips. I mean, this doesn't help people actually mandating a $15 minimum wage when it has this consequence, does it? So, Mark, I started off blue-collar kid. I had to work 40 hours a week before I got to college. I worked all these jobs for 6 bucks an hour through college. I wouldn't have been able to get through without that. And if Gillum's policies were in place, I would not have made 15 an hour. I would have made zero because I would not have had the opportunity for any of those jobs And so what he will do is he will put hundreds of thousands of people out of work. He will cause businesses to shut down, businesses to leave the state. Um, But here's the thing, Mark, the Seattle thing you mentioned, a lot of the people who who, who kept their jobs and did get a pay increase to 15, they still ended up with less take-home pay because their hours got reduced by the business. So it's really been counterproductive, and all the evidence points that way. But yet he's a left-wing ideologue, so he doesn't care, and this is what he's running on. It's particularly uh, harmful to young people who are trying to get their first job, particularly harmful in minority communities, people trying to get their first job. Same with his open borders policies. It, it particularly harms uh, no-skilled or low-skilled, uh, unskilled or low-skilled individuals. But uh, he claims to represent these people, but his policies crush these people. Ron DeSantis, once again, what is your site, America? We have a Levin surge. Let's give all the support we can to Ron DeSantis in Florida. Let's increase his ground game there and the grassroots there. Where do people go if they want to help you? RonDeSantis.com. R-O-N-D-E-S-A-N-T-I-S.com. We would love to have your support. We can't let socialism take root in Florida. All right, my friend. Good luck to you. Take care of yourself. All right, Mark. God bless. God bless. You know, uh, a few years back, when I backed Ted Cruz in a primary that nobody thought he could win, 
I told you, I know Ted Cruz personally. He's the real deal. I'm telling you, America, Ron DeSantis is the real deal. I'm telling you, Floridians, Ron DeSantis is the real deal. The problem is, so is Andrew Gillum. It's Americanism versus socialism, ladies and gentlemen. It couldn't be clear in the state of Florida. Couldn't be clear in the state of Texas. Couldn't be clear in the state of Georgia and a number of these other states, the state of Arizona. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now that I've been sleeping on my Casper mattress, I'd pick it over every mattress I ever had. It helps me get the best night's sleep. Once you try Casper, you're going to love yours, too. Casper is a high-quality mattress at an affordable price. I sleep cool and comfortable every night thanks to the unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small how-did-they-do-that size box. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, and they'll refund you everything. From its engineering to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights. It's no wonder Casper's over 35,000 five-star reviews of all their products across Casper, Google, and Amazon. Put Casper to the test in your own home for 100 nights, risk-free. Go to Casper.com and use code MARK for $50 towards the purchase of select mattresses. That's Casper.com, code MARK, for $50 towards the purchase of select mattresses. Casper.com, terms and conditions apply. I remember when the Democrat Party was a rational party. I didn't always agree with it. But there were individuals, Scoop Jackson, Zell Miller, individuals like that. Now, the stars of the Democrat Party are radicals. They're extremists. Extremists. That's who's running for governor on the Democrat side in Florida. That's who's running for governor on the Democrat side in Texas. That's who's running for governor excuse me, for senator on the Democrat side in Arizona. That's who's running for governor on the Democrat side in Georgia. These radicals, these extremists who will absolutely obliterate the success of these states, what these states stand for. If an ideologue like Gillum has his way, he will turn Florida into New York. He will turn Florida into California. If you want that kind of government, then go get it. But why do you have to destroy all these actually properly functioning states? People are voting with their feet. These blue states are depopulating. Every single blue state is depopulating. And then you have several of these red states where the populations are booming. And there's a reason for it. Because in our country... People can vote with their feet. And they're leaving New York and New Jersey and Illinois and California for places like Florida and Texas. So why destroy Texas? Ron DeSantis for governor, ladies and gentlemen, Florida. Please give him all the support you can. RonDeSantis.com. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all of you. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless. 